Perhaps we would call it serendipity. But over the last six days, I've seen Arkansas' state motto, Regnot Populus, referenced at least three times, the last of which was on a tapestry of all places in a bank. That motto is Latin, and it translates the people rule, which, here's an aside for you, has been changed to Regnot Deus, or God rules, on the Episcopal Church's seal for Arkansas. You can see it in tiny letters on my ring if you'd like to. I call it serendipity because this week's gospel lesson also reminded me of the thing I've talked about so many times in life, our state's unofficial state motto, which is, thank God for Mississippi, which probably back translates into something like Deo gracias Mississippiensis. That makes Mississippi sound sort of exotic, doesn't it? You know, that phrase's implication is, for we are Kansans at least, we have only look, need to look east to see a state in worse shape. Thank God for Mississippi just might be Arkansas's version of what the Pharisee prays in today's gospel. As he thanks God that he is not a thief, a rogue, an adulterer, or even a tax collector. Those are all the folk in Mississippi, by the way. The Pharisee has only to look toward the far corner of the temple, back in the shadows, just across the river, as it were, to find someone in whose presence he looks good. That distinction between tithing taxpayer and tax collector, between comparatively upright citizen and tool of the occupying forces, gives the Pharisee some bragging rights. Now, I'm going to have to admit that today's gospel makes me uncomfortable for a couple of reasons, especially in that if anyone is to stand opposed to thievery, rogue behavior, and adultery, then bishops are the one called to do so. It is part of the job description, I am sometimes reminded, when people don't like it when I'm not speaking out on the issues they want highlighted. So, it makes me feel sort of queasy. Another reason for me to feel uncomfortable with this parable is that it's the only Lucan parable in which someone says, I give thanks. Or in the Greek original of that lesson, the word is Eucharist. The very name of why we gather each week in church, and in a few minutes, what we will tell God that we are doing, we give thanks. Thus, I feel uncomfortable because our liturgy makes us sound somewhat like a Pharisee. Even Jesus would admit that, in the, that the Pharisee in today's parable is virtuous. He has everything going in his favor, everything that is, except his inability to see that we can never justify ourselves through comparison with others. To do so is to set ourselves up as the center around which the universe turns, and that's nothing less than ultimate idolatry. We human beings have this tendency to rank everything that we see, and it gets us into trouble. Ranking implies that one entity has advantage over another. We rank communities in which to raise children or in which to retire. We rank educational and career achievements. We rank income and status and class. When we do so, things suddenly start to look more or less desirable 
by where they are in those rankings. And with such a way of looking at the world comes bragging rights and smugness sets in. We can look no further than the church. We've gotten ourselves into trouble time after time in being so quick to proclaim that the church, or at least some portion of it, has something that others do not have, as if we have Jesus and other people don't. We have to admit that a fair amount of blood has been shed in history over the competing claims of religious entities. In this age and culture in which we and the church can no longer raise armies, our smugness is beginning to sound a bit hollow, and as a result, pews are emptying. We may have turned into a 21st century example of how the self-exalted will be humbled. But self-exaltation is not the only thing of which we need to be wary. The opposite of what the Pharisee was doing is just as dangerous It's called envy, when someone has more of something than we have. Envy is very dangerous in this consumer-obsessed world. We are taught that enough is never enough. Nations want more military might. We objectify physical bodies. Individuals choose money over relationships because we can quantify the former. Parents schedule their children's lives from birth so that one day they won't have to settle for the number two college choice. As Jesus apparently sees it in today's parable, humans who make such comparisons begin to regard others with contempt and the contemptuous will be humbled. That's bad news for us. Now, I talked about on one side self-exaltation and the other side envy, one thinking that we're better than others, on the other side thinking that we're worse than others. Well, you see, the subtle beauty of this parable is that the Pharisee and the tax collector are not mirror images of one another. Read the parable carefully. The Pharisee compares himself favorably to others. But the tax collector does not fall into that trap that some of us fall into when we look at ourselves and and become envious or think we're not worthy enough. The tax collector ends up comparing himself to no one. Jesus is telling us, I believe, that the one who finds the kingdom is the one who looks inside his own heart and seeks conversion there and not through any outside comparison. That's the heart of the gospel message today. The Christian life is about our own conversion, not the comparison of us with others, either as more important or less important. That's the point the Pharisee's not gotten. Conversion is not something that we've experienced that other people have not, and thus be put in a favored condition. Conversion instead is a lifelong process, an ongoing reorientation, a rediscovery every day that grace is everything not merit. It's why we tell ourselves that one of our commitments as Christians is to be at God's table week after week and month after month and year after year. Gradually we are changed so that we no longer compare ourselves with others. We eventually will see ourselves as unique individuals whom God loves and over whom God showers mercy. That's why Jesus says the tax collector goes home justified. The tax collector doesn't play the comparison game at all. 
the good news for us? The comparison game is over. God loves us equally. No one has an advantage. Always being worried about how we stack up against others is no way to live. It causes the breakup of relationships. It causes hurt feelings. It causes striving after impossible goals. On the other hand, being able to see beyond the divisions is the beginning of life. It is to stand in the presence of God and realize that everything is a gift. And part of that gift is wholeness. Some folk remind me that the job of a bishop, for example, is to be prophetic in a secular world. And some folk tell me that the job of a bishop is to keep the church untainted by the world. And in their own ways, they're both right. Thus, I think I'm on firm theological ground when I proclaim that when we stop saying such things as thank God for Mississippi or thank God for whatever it is that we have that someone else has and doesn't have in this state, we'll have one less excuse for not changing the economic and social structures that often do make us at the very bottom of the barrel among all the 50 states. We as a state could do much better for our residents regardless of what other states are doing. The church has a place in that effort. Now, I also think I'm on firm ground when I say that the church will find itself untainted by the world when it stops worrying so much about what the world thinks about the church. That's that envy side. And instead keeps focused on how the church is going to keep being converted and grasping the truth that all is a gift and all is grace. Self-virtue has never been an authentic evangelism tool. Jesus today is talking about nothing less than resurrection, dying to old ways of seeing things, comparing everything, comparing everyone, and instead living into the discovery that everything is loved by God and everyone is loved by God. It must have been the sort of insight that would have made Jesus smile and his audience cringe when he gave star billing to the person who had no comparisons to make and no virtue about which to talk. Amen.